This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. The Premier League All Access Podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. Stay ahead of all the big games in the best league in the world, the Premier League. With the latest odds, form guides, expert opinions and more, the fans are the players at Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at ladbrokes.com, 18plusbegambleaware.org, T's and C's apply. Hello and welcome to the Game Day Podcast with me, Alex Crook, Assistant Editor of The Mirror, Darren Lewis, and the former Chelsea, West Ham and Charlton left-back, Scott Minto. After the World Cup mid-season roadshow came to an end, the real football returns. Can Arsenal maintain their title push without Gabriel Jesus? Will a fully rested Erling Haaland be even better than he was before? And can Wolves buy their way out of trouble? All that on the podcast that's crashed more parties than Salt Bay. This is Game Day from TalkSport. Hello everyone, welcome to Dashing Darren Lewis and Silky Scott Minto as we look ahead to 10 festive fixtures all live and exclusive on the TalkSport Network. How are we guys? Yeah, really good. I'm really very good, good mate. The um, question is, how are you? I hear you've got a, the, the heating was turned up, but the hotel where you are making you feel like you're back in Qatar. Yeah, do you know what? I've come down to Bournemouth uh, because I'm seeing uh, Gary O'Neill, newly appointed Bournemouth manager uh, for an exclusive chat with TalkSport. So I thought I'd make a night of it, bring down... Uh, my wife and my three-year-old, and we're staying in the hotel, lovely hotel overlooking the sea, outdoor pool, which, funnily enough, I've not uh, taken advantage of. But the heating is cranked up to full full volume. They've, they've got a sauna here. I'll tell you what, they don't need the sauna. The whole hotel um, is a sauna, but I shouldn't complain because it is much colder uh, than the temperatures that Darren and I have been used to. <laughs> have you lost a bit of weight, yeah, by the way, um, quickie? I have, actually, mate. Thank you yeah, for that. Yeah, I thought you might have done. Yeah, you might lose another half a stone today by the looks of it. <laughs> I may well. Uh, on the subject of hotting up, we've got some sizzling festive fixtures live on Talksport. Chase it across the face of goal. It's touched in by Tony, and Brentford may just have stolen all three points at the Eddie Hatt Stadium. Kuliszewski, Bencantor! Rodrigo Bencantor! And that's what makes it so entertaining, so gripping, such drama. And that's why we love it. We have never, ever gone into a game without the belief of us being capable of winning. I'm sick and tired of watching Spurs go 1-0 down. 2-1 down. Spurs lead for the first time this afternoon. Second half, last 20 minutes, 
you see the real Tottenham yeah, Hotspur. You, you, you we can't carry on doing Jay, that because you play against a top six yes, side, Gav. This is what I'm saying. Tottenham nil, Liverpool two. It's a sumptuous finish for Mo Salah. It's a nightmare moment for Eric Dyer. I think that we have to try to, to give more stability. Uh, the enthusiasm of our fans is very, very important for us. We know we are very good at home at Gitek Stadium. We, we can yeah, be a threat to any team in this division. We've proven that a lot of times. Never right off Brentford. They've done it again. Uh, let's start with Brentford against Tottenham. Kickoff at 12.30 on Boxing Day. It's the game that starts uh, this round of fixtures, all live and exclusive, either on TalkSport, uh, TalkSport 2, uh, or the TalkSport app. Download it if you haven't already. Uh, Tottenham hoping to pick up where they left off following a dramatic 4-3 victory over Leeds back in November. Seems a lifetime ago now. Uh, no Christian Romero, uh, no Hugo Lloris, more than likely either Darren Lewis, does that give Brentford a, a decent opportunity here to, to cause an early upset? I think it does. I think it does. You've just reeled off a list of good players and this game is all about good players. I think this game will probably be symptomatic of what I think will be a freak weekend uh, or a freak first day back in the Premier League. I think there'll be lots of surprise results. There are differing levels of fitness. There'll be some players who are at it having come back from the World Cup. There'll be some players whose fitness might just be below what they left off with, if you like, at the first during, at the end of the first half of the season. And yeah, I, I'm getting ready for some results that kind of raise the eyebrows. I mean, I saw you both nodding when I was saying that. We know what we're talking about. When we get into the festive period, you have to dip into your squad anyway. And so, again, that... It gives you sometimes surprise results in so much as players at different levels are suddenly thrust into the limelight. But what you have here is a situation where some player, top players who have been at the latter stages of the World Cup aren't around. Other players who have been at the World Cup, but psychologically you don't know where they're at as well. I think the only certainty we can say about this weekend is that the likes of Salah, Haaland, the really top players will be top players. But I think around them, I think some of the absentees could be quite key. And I think that might well be the case for Liverpool. Yeah. Can, can I just add to that before we go, you know, specifically into into Brentford Spurs? Because I, I totally agree with Darren. I, you know, I, I think the World Cup has meant that this is two seasons, not just one. It's a massive break. You know, we, we it, it shows. It's almost like an end of season going into another one. So the players come back sort of one of either elated, you know, they can come back and, and can they keep their, their feet on the ground? Gutted, how much will the World Cup have affected them? And it'd be interesting to see Harry Kane, although I think he'll he'll bounce back very strongly. Injuries, how's the body? You know, they're, they're up to speed in terms of the intensity, but actually, you know, physically... Were they playing through the pain barrier for their countries? And playing at this time of the year, I can tell you from a personal level, is a very difficult time anyway. You know, managers dip into their squad. So I totally agree with Darren. I think there's going to be some some surprising results somewhere. You mentioned Harry Kane. Brentford, the only current Premier League side he hasn't managed to score against in any 
competition. Um, obviously, maybe didn't have the the World Cup that he wanted in terms of goals. I think he'll be determined to hit the ground running. Ivan Tony is an interesting one, isn't he? Because he is likely to play despite the fact that he's still under investigation by the FA over these supposed betting breaches. There were more charges added uh, in the last week or so. How much of a distraction, Darren, could that prove for Brentford's talisman? Yeah, let me just uh, round off my last answer I gave because I mentioned Liverpool. Uh, I obviously was referring to Spurs. You don't need to edit this because everyone knows that we're live and, you know, the, you have these slips of the tongue. And that you so. love Liverpool, so you're <laughs> into every conversation. <laughs> well, indeed. I think as far as Spurs are concerned, um, you make a really good point about Harry Kane because he didn't he didn't weigh in as much with the goals as some of his teammates. He likes to play that withdrawn role sometimes and bring other people into the play. Um, sometimes we love Harry Kane or we've got the utmost respect for him and sometimes you just wish he was more of a penalty box man, a little bit like Haaland. Just stay in the box and let everyone else do your running for you, particularly as you get older, because he's such a formidable last line, if you like, in that attack. That if he was in a position where he just did a kind of Haaland, Haaland type stay in the box, bamboozle defenders with your movement, he could cause so much trouble. But he does like to drop deep, and that's part of the reason why he didn't weigh in with as many goals at the World Cup. Having said that, that miss in an utterly winnable game against France, it will be hurting. Scott can talk to that and the player mentality around that far better than I can. But I think he'll be driven, really driven to answer a few people back, to respond, to, to, to wipe away, if you like, the pain that he must have been suffering since that minute, since that day since that hour and, and I, I, I'm looking for him to come back with a bang against Brentford. Cookie, he'll, he'll never forget that. He'll never forget that for the rest of his life and all the the fantastic goals he scored for club and country, all the important penalties he scored for club and country, that will be the one he remembers. It would be like an itch that he just can't scratch. But do you know what? He will be absolutely determined that if someone said to him at the start of the game, would you take a penalty? We've got one in the first minute he'd be ready for it and he'd be wanting just that. And I, I have no doubt he'd stick the ball in the back of the net as well. You know, but, you, but it's really interesting about Ivan Tony. Um, I think he's one of these players who, whatever goes on, I don't know him, but I get the feeling he's one of those players that whatever goes on around him, he's able to put it to one side once he gets on the pitch. He is absolutely massive for Brentford. He really is. And not just from an attacking point of view, from a defensive point of view, he's great in both boxes. He bullied Manchester City's defenders. He's capable of bullying uh, Spurs defenders, and we'll see which ones are actually going to be picked. I don't know exactly whether he's actually going to get a ban or how long the ban's going to be if he does get one. But I think I, I, I generally think up until he does get the ban and he's told the hand on the shoulder, you're not allowed to play again, he's going to be right up for it, perhaps even more so as well. The question is, what did Brentford do? I mean, I actually think they'll go into the, the, the market, perhaps more loaned than transfer, but they have to replace or somehow try to replace Ivan Tony because they don't have him anywhere else. Scott, just as for playing, do you think that is the case with him where we've seen players go through adversity off the pitch and on the pitch is a bit of a release for them? Mm, absolutely. I think, Darren, it depends on the individual. You know, I think there are some people that get affected by things going on. I think the best example that comes straight to the top of my head right now uh, happened at the same time with Lee Bowie and Jonathan Woodgate. What went on, you know, off the pitch there. Jonathan Woodgate was affected by it. Lee Bowie wasn't. 
you know, he was able to put it one one side. So I think it depends on the individual. And as I say, I don't know Ivan Tony, but what I know of him, I think he's one of those that will put it to one side. Well, Darren's mentioned them already. It is time to talk his beloved Liverpool uh, beaten in what was a brilliant League Cup tie live on TalkSport on Thursday. They went down 3-2 against an Erling Haaland-inspired Manchester City. Can they bounce back at Villa Park? They take on Aston Village, a 5.30 kickoff on Boxing Day. It's live on TalkSport. from Bukayo Saka. Arsenal's third, and they're saying, catch us if you can. And he set Kane in here, left-hand side of the area, 2-0. I think it was a gift for Tottenham. Salah turns it over the line, and Liverpool lead. This is absolutely crackers. <laughs> Calvert-Lewin, edge of the area, rolls the challenge of Kane, and scores a wonderful opener for Everton. Cuts it back, Madison, Leicester back on terms. James Madison. The top sport. Festive roadshow rolls on. Low towards the edge of a penalty area, controlled by Ings, who creates the space and fires in a wonderful goal. Finds Almiron for Newcastle, drifting towards the edge of the area. Oh, what a fantastic goal! Miguel Almiron, take a bow! It's touched in by Tony, and Brentford may just have stolen all three points at the Etihad Stadium. Could be one of the best Boxing Day games we've ever seen. Mitrovic with a header, it's gone! Alexander Mitrovic for Fulham. The margin was big, the chances were small, but a win tonight means a better Christmas for all. Uh, Darren, very quickly, give us your views of Liverpool's performance in that Carabao Cup defeat against Manchester City. Jurgen Klopp uh, not particularly pleased with the way his side started the game. He said the defeat basically uh, was down to those opening 15 minutes. Yeah, defensively, they're all over the place. They're lacking the leadership of Virgil van Dijk. You can see at the heart of that defence. There's a lot of ball watching for all three goals, I, I would argue. And I think as far as they're concerned, if, he don't, if Virgil doesn't come back for this Villa game, then I can see an Unai Emery-inspired Villa side pulling off a bit of a surprise. I don't think it'll be anywhere near 7-2 uh, from a few years ago. But um, I, I think it'll, it could well be the case that Emery takes advantage of that lack of organisation and leadership in their backline. Darwin Nunes alarmed me as well. He's still playing like a striker who is trying far too hard. And so I think the, the goal-scoring burden will be back on Mohamed Salah. And I think, again, I'm talking about freak results. This could be one of those ones that don't go uh, according to what we would expect on paper. I think Villa will look at this and see themselves as having a big chance. Uh, Darwin Nunez Scott has scored seven goals in his last 10 games for Liverpool. But let's be brutally honest, he could still be out there this morning taking on Manchester City and he wouldn't find the back of the net. He was shocking for Uruguay at the World Cup as well. You're a big Darwin Nunez fan. Why is he struggling at the moment so much? Well, well you're clearly not. <laughs> I don't think he was shocking in the World Cup. I, I thought he was played a little bit out of position, played out on the left. I thought at times he looked very dangerous indeed. Um... You've given me some stats there that actually his goal record's not bad. And I think you're being really harsh on a guy that seems to be being judged alongside Erling Haaland because they were brought to the Premier League at the same time. I am a big fan of Darwin Nunez and I do think he will come good. He's tall, he's quick, he's strong, he's got the perfect physique, he's a team player. Um, yeah, okay, yeah, you know, he had some chances and he, and he pulled them wide and you're thinking, just hit the target, make the goalkeeper make a save. 
but I think it's very harsh to to to, to sort of say use those words, Crookie. Although that's the type of person, <laughs> brutally you are. honest. Um, absolutely. Um, Robin Olsen is a doubt with injury. Dead Steers coming back from fitness. So who does Emery play in goal? And and look, you know, he's had time to to work even harder on what he wants. There's a lot of video analysis. There's a lot. The players have. Still not 100% understanding almost the chess-like way that Emery likes to play. Um, so I, I, I think Liverpool could be there for the taking, but I also think Villa are, have got some vulnerability themselves. This is one I find it really difficult to call, I'll be honest. It was all a bit nice as well after that that cup defeat. Jurgen Klopp paying tribute to Guardiola and Manchester City and vice versa. I know it's a, a bugbear of our own Sam Matterfaces. He'll be listening to this podcast somewhere on a sundowner in the Caribbean. I just think because of the rivalry between the two clubs, there needs to be a little bit more hatred. It's all a bit friendly uh, at this moment in time. Uh, Unai Emery bidding to become the first Aston Villa manager in history to win all three of his opening league games, maintaining his 100% record. That game kicks off at 5.30 live on Talk Sport. Should we talk about the Premier League leaders? Hit by Erdogan and in! And Arsenal two up! And Martin Erdogan has scored again! Arsenal are playing so well and uh, they've changed dramatically. Steered in towards the near post, it's found a way through and found a way in from Gabriel! Arsenal lead at Stamford Bridge! Well, I'll tell you what, this is one of the best Arsenal sides I've seen for a very, very long time. And I have to start to ask you the big questions now. Can Arsenal win the title? I'm not here to to give opinions on that. What uh, I want to do is finish as high as possible and play as well as possible. There's a big transformation in this Arsenal team. Arteta, 100%. He has just made me fall in love with Arsenal again. And it is Martinelli who scored the goal. Saka sent the ball to the bottom corner beyond Allison. Martinelli and Saka are two wonderful players now. They're leading the club. I think this group of players really believe as well. You know, there's a real unity there. Arsenal win again. Arsenal stay top of the league. Ben Rama converts the penalty. Fires it to the goalkeeper's right. I'm now saying I want to still challenge for Europe and I think I can do it in the second part of the season. How much trouble is David Moyes in right now? The London Stadium, half empty at the full-time whistle. Those left in, Adrian, we can hear the booze. Full-time, West Ham nil, Leicester two. We've not been that far away in any of our results. And it sounds a long way away and it sounds probably far-fetched at the moment. But I generally think that we're we're not that far away and expect us to get closer to the top than I do the ball. Arsenal against West Ham, 8 o'clock on Boxing Day evening for this London derby. Uh, the Gunners head into the game, five points clear at the top of the table. They've won 12 of their 14 Premier League matches so far this season, including uh, their last four before the World Cup break without conceding a goal. They do have, Darren, one key absentee, Gabriel Jesus, uh, out for up to three months after sustaining a knee injury during the World Cup. That's a huge problem, isn't it, for Mikel Arteta? It really is because of his leadership, his willingness to uh, work hard to bring other people into the play, his experience, and he's been such an important figure in their surge to the top and the cushion that they've built up at the top as well. I'm concerned at his loss. Having said that, they played a couple of, I'm going to call them pre-season friendlies, mid-season friendlies, if you like, and they've scored goals and other players have stepped up. And that leads me to think that maybe they'll have a degree of confidence going into this game that they otherwise wouldn't have had. It's a lot of responsibility on the shoulders of young Eddie Nketiah. And 
we will see where the leadership is in the Arsenal team without uh, Gabriel Jesus. Do they buy? I've had debates with even some TalkSport colleagues who, who believe they shouldn't buy. But I think they should have bought. They would have needed to buy regardless of whether Jesus was injured or not. And I still now think that that is so crucial if they want to stay where they are. You know the stat, no team with their points at the stage of the season before the World Cup came along had ever finished outside the top two. But you've got to put a big asterisk next to that because we have never, ever had a season like the one that we're having at the moment. Scott, it feels like a huge opportunity for Arsenal, maybe an opportunity that won't come around again. They have this five-point buffer, uh, albeit, as Darren Lewis has said, they've played fewer games than they would have normally done heading into the festive period. If they don't spend money in January, might they regret it? Might they see this as a, as a missed opportunity? Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with, with Darren. I really do. And, and OK, they've scored goals in, in the friendlies, but... You know, I mean, the, the, the Arsenal and, and Newcastle, but certainly Arsenal, the World Cup happening was the worst at this stage of the season, was the worst thing that could have happened. I, I did the game for talk at uh, Stamford Bridge and, and Chelsea weren't that bad. They weren't that bad, but Arsenal were that good. You know, and if you'd have put Arsenal in, the Arsenal players in City shirts, you'd have thought that's a Pep Guardiola Manchester City team. No, they were they were that good. So this is the worst thing that could have happened. And then now on top, Gabriel Jesus. Look, I've seen um, Eddie and Ketia go to Leeds, hardly get a game. Um, we know that Bielsa is a different type of character, so I don't necessarily judge him on that. But to ask Ketia to lead the line against um, for a team that is now, you have to say now, trying to chase for the title, then I think it's too much for him. I think he's an impact player. So for me... Whether it's loan, how do you get a loan in January? How do you even get a, a, a sort of like a, a big name signing that can make your team even better in January is a difficult thing to do. But I think they have to be looking. They have to go for it. And again, I agree with Darren. Uh, uh, just before, just after that Stanford Bridge game, just before the, the World Cup, I'm saying, I'm telling you now, Arsenal's first five games off the back of the World Cup, very, very difficult indeed. But if they're in a similar or even still just two or three points above Manchester City at the end of January, beginning of February, then they're in the title race. Now, as it stands, and we don't know how they're going to react, I would say they want to make sure they're in top four if they don't bring Gabriel uh, Jesus' replacement in. Yeah, the Shakhtar winger, Mikhailo Madrich, uh, very much a target for Mikel Arteta, isn't uh, an out-and-out goal scorer, more of a wide forward uh, than the number nine. Interesting to see what they do in the transfer window. Interesting to see what West Ham do as well, because it's been a tough season so far. 16th in the table, just one point uh, above the relegation places. Could be without uh, both Mikel Antonio and Skamaka for this game. That might see Jarrod Bowen uh, pushed into a false number nine position. Uh, Darren, you're close to West Ham. How much pressure is David Moyes under going into the resumption of the season? Well, they got a lot of faith in him and they knew that they made a mistake when they got rid of him in favour of Manuel Pellegrini first time around. They're quite keen not to make a similar mistake. Um, having said that, for the money that they've spent in the transfer window, there is concern about the position that they are in, in the table. Um, even though he's done a tremendous job to get them into the latter stages of European competition, which at West Ham is a must. But obviously, given that their league position has got them into Europe in the last few seasons, that's now what they've become accustomed to. If he doesn't have the firepower to do something, that's going to be a problem. 
I worry about the loss again of Agerd, the Moroccan defender. Thirty million pounds they paid for him. He only played, made two appearances before um, the break, and suddenly he's out again, injured during that fantastic run to the semi-final. Um, Skamaka again, it, it, it looks so like he might have an issue as well. West Ham fans want to see more of the new signings in a new look team. There's a feeling that he's too loyal, David Moyes, to some of the older guard. So it'll be interesting to see what lineup he sends out for this game. I think the level, the playing field's been levelled by the fact that there's no Jesus, but at the same time, no Antonio, no Skamaka. That could be a big, big blow. Um, we know that Bowen can work really hard, but I can't see anything other than an Arsenal win in this game, and that could be a problem for David Moyes. Well, the stats tell us that as well. West Ham have won just one of their last 14 meetings between the two. I do remember commentating this fixture last season and West Ham a bit unlucky to end up on the losing side. Uh, as Darren says there, they do need a change of luck. That game is live on TalkSport, 8 o'clock on Boxing Day night. Uh, there are uh, four other games live on the TalkSport network on Boxing Day. We'll come on to those very shortly. But two huge matches on the 27th of December. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrooks. There's a lot more to those 90 minutes than what goes down on the pitch. With the latest odds, form guides and expert opinions, you'll know the score with Labrooks. Odds update on Talk Sport with Labrooks. Are you in? Let's go. Play at labrooks.com, 18 plus, be gambleaware.org, T's and C's apply. I'm at Chelsea against Bournemouth alongside Scott Minto, 5.30 kickoff on Talk Sport. Chelsea uh, looking to change for the better following the restart. Did the break come at a good time for Graham Potter, Scott? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, in, in, in terms of just trying to stop the bad results, in terms of trying to get the injured players back, um, I think Ben Chilwell's still got a, a, a way to go, but I think uh, Rhys James is close. And those two players, Crookie, are absolutely key to Chelsea, whatever formation Graham Potter wants. Now, I worked on the Salzburg game um, away from home where he was hailed as a genius. So, you know, it's amazing how quickly you can go from up there to suddenly down there. Now, again, I've talked about the Arsenal game at the bridge and they've also played Newcastle, who won fire at that particular time going into the, the World Cup. So they've been a little bit unlucky in terms of the teams they've come up against with the form that they've been in. Um, but Graham Potter quite clearly needs to not necessarily get a settled formation because that's not what he's about. He's already come out and said, look, I, I don't see uh, like um, we need to have a, a set formation. We're going to be very fluid and the players need to get used to that. But what you do need is is getting back to wins. And, and basically, even if it's a little bit of a different formation, I'm a great believer in square pegs and square holes. 
and play the players where they're most comfortable being, whatever formation that ends up being. So, so again, it's, it's, it's a difficult one. We don't know who's going to be 100% fit. We don't know who. We know that um, Thiago Silva's back and obviously the England trio as well. I'd expect them wanting to play straight away. But we don't know who's 100% fit. So the team selection, I think, is important. But I think almost as a statement game for Potter and Chelsea to say, look, that was bad. What happened before the World Cup? We're starting off with a win. Everyone will be expecting a win with the greatest respect to Bournemouth playing at home. We're going to get three points, a good performance and crack on from there. Uh, Scott, do you feel that Chelsea fans have lost faith in Potter and if Chelsea don't win this game, a little bit like what David Moyes said, the natives are, re- are restless. Do you think that there'll be a lot of pressure on him? I don't think he should be under a lot of pressure. I don't think the Chelsea fans should be against him. But the Chelsea fans over the last 20 years have been almost programmed that if you're not in the top four and fighting for trophies, then, you know, the manager's going to go. So I actually think it's not even so much a player point of view. If you look at what um, Todd Bowley's done, He's brought in a, a young manager um, on a long-term contract. He's brought in young players on long-term contracts. If you look at what he's done with the LA Dodgers as well, he's had a manager there, I think, from 2016 and a contract up till 2025. I genuinely believe that even though he was seen to be quite ruthless with Thomas Tuchel, his aim is to get his people in. And Thomas Tuchel, I don't believe, got the sack for results. It was more that he wasn't willing to, to do the top bowling way. Graham Potter is. He can manage up as well as down. But yeah, ultimately, it, it's down to results. And because the Chelsea fans are used to a bad set of results mean that a manager will go, they almost need to be re- reprogrammed and to give the guy a bit of a chance here. And I certainly hope he does. I, I'm a Graham Potter fan, I have to say. Uh, Graham Potter hasn't seen his side winning the Premier League since October. That was a victory away from home against Aston Villa. It was suggested to me, actually, uh, while I was out in Qatar, that maybe, uh, despite what's been said what's been briefed to the media from Todd Bowley about it doesn't matter if Chelsea finish in the top four or not. Graham Potter is uh, already under the microscope of the Chelsea hierarchy. It is a battle of two American owners. Uh, Bill Foley completed his takeover uh, of Bournemouth during the World Cup break. He wants to build a new stadium, a new training ground and invest heavily in this January transfer window. Gary O'Neill has also been given the job on a permanent basis ahead of Marcelo Bielsa, who I understand was keen uh, to return to the Premier League at the Vitality. I think it's the right decision, Darren, to stick with Gary O'Neill. Do you? Yeah, I do. The players play for him. They respect him. They did get a good run of results before things started to go slightly awry. I think Bielsa has a very unorthodox way of managing and you could see that it took its toll on the Leeds players eventually. I think he's far too expansive. It has to be recognised that he got a number of players into England contention, not least the likes of Calvin Phillips. But I just don't know if the Bournemouth squad could cope with the demands that he makes of his players and the way that he manages them. I think Gary O'Neill is a good fit long term. And I know that he, my understanding is that he would have walked away completely had he not got that job. So I think they've done well to keep hold of him. Yeah, absolutely. The players adore him. I think he's made mistakes uh, along the way. He will admit that. But by and large, I think he did a really good job steadying the ship after Scott Parker was removed in the wake of a 9-0 defeat at Liverpool. The fact they're 
sat away from the relegation places, sat in 14th in the table. I think it's testament to Gary O'Neill. And if they get the right players in in January, I think they've got a great chance of staying up. They have a good record as well. Uh, Bournemouth, weirdly, at uh, Stamford Bridge, they've had a couple of big victories there under Eddie Howe, beat Chelsea at home as well. So I don't think this will be the formality that maybe people expect. That's one of two fixtures uh, live on TalkSport on the 27th. The second is for Old Trafford, where Manchester United take on Nottingham Forest. Manchester United nil. Rashford is running through one on one with Allison. He shoots into the net and scores his first goal since January. Magic on a Monday. Erling Haaland has another hat trick. It's a hat trick of hat tricks. Manchester City six, Manchester United three. Xhaka to finish it. Xhaka does finish it. It's Arsenal three, Tottenham one. It's towards the edge of the area. Oh, what a fantastic goal! Miguel Almiron take a bow. Back to a one year. And he scored against the club that sold him last summer. There does not appear to be an easy fix for Liverpool's travel sickness. No better place to be on a Saturday. On to Somerville, Somerville, angle tight! He puts it in! Somerville has surely won it for Leeds United! Liverpool won, Leeds two in the final minute of the game. Haaland rips his shirt off, waves it around his head. He's won the game for Manchester City. Found a way through and found a way in from Gabriel. Arsenal lead at Stamford Bridge. Well, I'll tell you what, this is one of the best Arsenal sides I've seen for a very, very long time. Touched in by Tony. And Brentford may just have stolen all three points at the Eddie Hatt Stadium. Hit by Erdegaard and in. And Arsenal two up. And Martin Erdegaard has scored again to go five points clear at the top of the Premier League. Uh, United returning with a victory. Both these teams actually winning their midweek EFL Cup matches. I was really impressed, uh, Scott, with Marcus Rashford uh, and the way that he picked up where he left off before the World Cup. I still think one of the puzzling calls made by Gareth Southgate in that France game was to bring on Raheem Sterling ahead of Rashford. It's testament to Eric Ten Hag, isn't it, that Rashford is finally back to somewhere near his best after, what, 18 months in the wilderness? No, absolutely. And we've said it, haven't we? He's back. He's back. Marcus Rashford is back, and it's wonderful to see. You know, he's a. He came. He burst onto the scene, and you're thinking, "Wow, look at this kid who's just going to get even better and better." And then there's always a dip, Crookie. Um, but when you think about what this young lad has gone through, you know, off the pitch, um, the abuse that he's had, but also the good that he's done, that's going to take a toll. Even if it wasn't all negative, that's going to take a toll of, of, on a young lad. I, I, I just want him to concentrate. Obviously, he's got to do what he's got to do and what's right for him and his beliefs. I want him to concentrate on being a Manchester United footballer. And we've seen what he's like and how good he is. I'm telling you, I'd have kittens the night before if I knew I was up against him. You know, he, 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 because he's got everything. He's, he's got height. He's good. He's good header of the ball. He's got pace. He's got good skill. You know, the goal he scored um, was was just someone who just reeks of confidence now. And it's it's wonderful to see that he's back. Those links, Darren, with Marcus Rashford and Paris Saint-Germain don't seem to be going away. I know United are, are keen to activate the extra year, at least in his contract. It would be a mistake, wouldn't it, for Marcus Rashford to, to walk out on this project now? I remember saying on the kickoff show that really when Marcus Rashford was going through that run, lots of United fans were saying they'd love to see the back of him and that he was finished and he was done and he was useless and he'd been over-promoted and 
I kept one or two receipts from the time, let me tell you, because I, I did think that a lot of people were being unfair to him and, and that it was crazy that a guy learning the game, and, you know, he's 24 years of age, in relative terms, he's still learning the game, uh, despite all the experience that he has. And so it, there was going to be a period where he went through a difficult moment. And that PSG link... Let me tell you, who wouldn't want to go and play alongside two of the greatest players football has ever seen? Kylian Mbappe and Lionel Messi. Uh, it, I, I hear what you're saying about it being a mistake potentially to walk out on Manchester United. But look at what's on the other side. If you do choose to go there, if you do choose to be a part of what Christophe Galtier is trying to build, they're not necessarily now the ego-driven side they used to be. There are two, one or two egos, let's not kid ourselves, but they're not, they're, you know, they've got young legs, there's more thought going into the way that they construct the side. There is one small thing, which we don't have time for to go into too much, but I am quite fascinated because I'm in a minority of one, that I believe you can do things away from the pitch and still have a football focus. Um, I have heard other experienced players just and respected players just like it's ex-pros like yourself Scott saying you know really that that took away you know the stuff that he does with feeding children and whatnot but I, I, I don't know I look around the world and I see other sports men and women in in their fields still taking the time to speak out against for example in the US you see uh, sports men and women talking out speaking out against gun crime for example um, and you see sportsmen and women in the US talking about education and the social problems that affect kids from the communities where they come from. I do only offer this opinion advisedly because you've been a sportsman, you know the difficulties that it takes and the intensity and commitment required to be a sportsman. And so it, it's maybe one for a, a longer pod, maybe even a standalone one, but I, I, I think there is... I, I think a player could do that. And I, I, I more think that his dip in form was more down to what you have to come to expect from any striker rather than it being about what he was doing away from the pitch. No, I, I'll just answer that very briefly. I'm not saying he shouldn't do any of that. I think there's just timing. And he's got to know himself now and know his body. That if someone asked him to do something on a Thursday or a Friday when you got a game on a Saturday, maybe you played on a Wednesday or maybe on a Thursday at the moment, you know, you've got to just say no. Or you just do it from a, a tweeting, a verbal point of view. You know, he, he's got to make sure that he, he's a Manchester United football player. But actually, I do agree with you, Darren, that the bigger picture is he's changing things in society. And that's actually bigger than Marcus Rashford, the Manchester United player. But... He's got to make sure that he also looks after himself because when he finishes his career, he's got to have no regrets. Yes, he's got to try and change as much as he can with society and I, I'm totally with that. And that's the bigger picture, actually. But at the same time, he's got to look back at his career and say, do you know what? I gave it absolutely everything and I've no regrets whatsoever. In terms of uh, personnel, Manchester United do have some issues defensively. Harry Maguire was ill for their midweek uh, League Cup victory at home to Burnley. Rafael Varane and Lissandro Martinez, uh, both of whom competed in the World Cup final. They're also uh, not expected to play in this game. We could see Casemiro alongside Victor Lindelof as a makeshift centre-back. Did well there uh, against Burnley, but Gary Neville on television, Scott, had some concerns about whether he would be as effective in the heat of Premier League batter. What's your view on that? Yeah, look, I, I, I think um, there's a lot of good players who are very, very versatile. 
and can play in different positions in one-off games. What I would say is if I'm um, up against Manchester United, if I'm Nottingham Forest and I see Casemiro as a centre-half, I'm sticking balls in the box. It's as simple as that. I'm trying to be, I'm looking at where they're vulnerable and I'm thinking, and let's start early as well. Let's try and turn the crowd because let's face it, like we said about Chelsea and, and Bournemouth, the home crowd would be expecting a, a very impressive performance. The, the Old Trafford faithful will be doing the same. And yet if Forrest go on the front foot and somehow nick that first goal, things can turn very, very quickly. So he's a clever player. He's a very good player, but it's a different position holding midfield when you've got the protection of the back four behind you. And actually, you're the last man with crosses raining in, trying to head the balls away. Now, this is the first Premier League meeting between Manchester United and Forest since an 8-1 win for United at the City Ground. Uh, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, who was a better super sub than he was a manager, came off the bench to score four goals that afternoon. Uh, we're not expecting a repeat scoreline. How do we view Forest and their chances of staying up, Darren, as we head into the January transfer window? Their owner has come out in the last few days and said they're going to spend again. Yeah, which which really stuns me, uh, given the expenditure so far. And uh, very often we've joked on here that when people say they played like strangers, well, they are, because they didn't really know each other before, or many of them didn't know each other before this season. I, I, my concern is that they're in danger of unbalancing this squad with more players. I think they need to bed down a consistency of tactics and team selection. They've got players there, strikers like Emmanuel Dennis, who for me would slot into the West Ham team and score goals on a regular basis. I can't get a regular game as a starter for Forrest. And that just tells me something about the confused thinking there. Because listen, if I were an Arsenal, for argument's sake, could he be an option if he doesn't get play regular first team football at, at Forrest? That's how much I rate him. And some people might say, oh, it's not good enough for Arsenal. And fair enough, I'd take that point. But the point is that you have a goal scorer there. You have certain players there who are, as Scott would put it, square pace. Sorry about that. That's one of my gadget here, but I'll carry on. Is that your end-of-month paycheck? Just <laughs> <a few minutes? laughs> Very good, Cricky. <laughs> very good, very good. You're so much better than Sam. Um, <laughs> I, I, no, I just think that, as you were saying, Scott, square pegs, square holes. Um, I would be more confident about Forrest's potential of staying up if they had those square pegs and square holes and they had a consistency of tactics and team selection. They don't have that at the moment. And that's why I'm concerned that they'll go down. Manchester City, very impressive on their return to action. They beat Liverpool by three goals to two in the League Cup in midweek. They will go to Southampton in the quarterfinals of that competition. But first, it's Leeds away from home. This is an eight o'clock kickoff uh, on December the 28th. So next Wednesday, um, in real terms, we lose track of uh, days at this time of the year. Of course, it's uh, Erling Haaland against his dad's former club. And uh, Erling Haaland... <laughs> Scott wasted little time in getting back on the score sheet. You sense that he maybe got a bit bored during the World Cup and he's anxious to get back to it. Yeah, there was a brilliant commercial put out, wasn't there, about him, you know, ringing round and mowing the lawn himself and being by himself. And yeah, look, you, you're kind of wondering, again, from a physical point of view, the players who weren't involved in the World Cup, mentally they'll be up for it, but physically, you know, would they be sharp? 
He doesn't waste much time, does he, that lad? I mean, you know, how good is he? And this is going to be quite an emotional game for him. You know, he's, he's, a, he's probably a Leeds fan at heart because of what his dad did. Um, but he'd be desperate to score. You know, he wants to try and score every time he's on the pitch. And he'll be looking at this with the way that Leeds play. He'll be, he'll be licking his lips and thinking, I've got lots of opportunities here. Now, Pep Guardiola, after that cup win over Liverpool, Darren, bemoan the lack of players that Manchester City have available. I don't think he's going to get much sympathy from uh, the 19 other <laughs> Premier League managers, do you? No, I think the other 19 other Premier League managers are going to be breaking out the bunting uh, because I think even a small number of players he does have, their top draw, A-list, blue chip, they are exceptional. And I think that... It isn't just their quality, but it's their desire. One or two players that had been at the World Cup, you would have thought that maybe they would have been ego-driven. Maybe they would have wanted a a little bit of extra time off. Maybe they wouldn't be that fussed about Liverpool in the Carabao Cup. Carabao Cup, they don't need that. They're top players. They're elite players. But it's their desire and their hunger. It's their willingness to um, apply themselves and you know, start again, go again, regardless of what they've achieved in the preceding season. So I'm concerned about City. I've always said, even though Arsenal were at the top, the winter months are the months where City come alive. I expect them to win this and I expect them to put together another stunning run. Leeds are 15th in the table, Scott. There are only a couple of points above the relegation places. There was a stage earlier this season when the uh, the Leeds fans were really against Jesse Marsh. Then he seemed to have turned it around. I don't think it would take much to turn again. And you look at their run of games over this festive period. Uh, after Manchester City, they go to Newcastle, just about the, the toughest uh, away assignment in the Premier League at the moment. Then it's West Ham at home. So not the easiest run of games on the back of the World Cup. No, it's not. And you talk about momentum and, and you know, the, you're right. The fans are kind of... Still didn't know which way to go with Jesse Marsh, do they? I mean, I, I actually like him. I, I think he's trying to do the right things. I think he's trying to play a, a Bielsa-type way that's a little bit more sensible, um, but still that sort of high intensity that the Leeds fans kind of demand now. But these are the worst two games you could possibly ask for, really, aren't they? Let's be fair. I mean, we'll, we'll wait and see on, on Newcastle, and they kind of stuttered their way through to the, the Carabao Cup quarterfinals. But, you know, on the face of it, you think you wouldn't want these games. But I, I genuinely think, if I have to say now, I don't see them as one of the teams that's going to go down. I think there's perhaps one of five at the moment. And you can obviously count the bottom four. I've chucked Bournemouth in there. I know Gary. I hope he keeps them up. But I have to say, from from uh, my head says they've still got a very good chance of going down. But in terms of Leeds, look, I like what Jesse Marsh is trying to do. The fans aren't 100% behind him. They're still a part of them. And I think most of them do accept they probably would have gone down under Bielsa. Um, You know, let's just wait and see. I think there's perhaps half a dozen teams that you, at this moment in time, it's so difficult to predict. It's almost churlish to predict. That's the story of the so-called Big Six, but plenty of other action taking place on Boxing Day 4. Three o'clock kickoffs, all live on the TalkSport network. There's a London derby between Palace and Fulham. Uh, Everton host Wolves, who are in the process of signing Mateus Cunha from Atletico Madrid. Leicester Newcastle is also a three o'clock kickoff. And there's a derby down on the south coast, Southampton against Brighton. Uh, Darren, any fixtures from that lot that spark your interest? Uh, Southampton-Brighton will be interesting uh, because... 
I think as far as Brighton are concerned, um, obviously under new management, playing good stuff, Southampton are very young side um, in relegation trouble. I still can't see them staying up. I, I think they're one of my tips, sadly, to go down just because defensively they don't have that much cohesion. They haven't, cohesion, they haven't kept that many clean sheets so far this season. Brighton have got a lot of cutting edge in that front line and they're starting to find their feet under De Zerbe. Um So I, I've got an interesting eye on that and obviously during this World Cup, we have seen Alexis McAllister. And a lot of people are saying, oh my goodness, how is he playing for Brighton? Which is a bit disrespectful to Brighton. And actually, I see it as testament to the outstanding scouting that they do at that club. That, you know, other players have had the spotlight, the likes of Trossard and Caicedo and, uh, you know, the, the left back, Cucurella, who's gone to City. But, uh, sorry, Chelsea. But I think as far as McAllister's concerned, he looked pure gold at the World Cup. I can't wait for him to come back to see more of him in the Premier League. If you haven't seen the Instagram exchange between Alexis McAllister and his girlfriend after winning the World Cup, I suggest that you go and check it out. We probably can't repeat what was said on this podcast. Uh, Everton against Wolves is interesting for me, Scott, because I saw Everton lose twice in what, five days against Bournemouth before the international break. I felt Frank Lampard could be a manager under pressure. Wolves, bottom of the table, but I'm told they're going to spend big in January. Cunha uh, already through the door, seemingly. What can you tell us about him? Because you look at his goal record, it isn't particularly impressive. No, and that's what Wolves need. You know, they, they need goals. I, I've seen Wolves a few times this season, and I'm telling you now, up until the final third, they're a good team. They've got some very talented players, te technical players. And yet they haven't been able to stick the ball in the back of the net. So, look, I, I, th I think it's he's starting off bottom, isn't he? And, and that's, that's difficult almost from a mental point of view. But again, all you can try and do is the start, the first two or three games, see how you go. And then you can try and build momentum. January will be so important for the teams down at the bottom. It really will. Because, you know, it's not just a question of what you think is finding the right player. But will that player hit the ground running, which I've already touched on? That's not an easy thing to do. So th they need goals. They, let's wait and see if he's the man. The, the, the stats suggest that he's not necessarily a prolific goal scorer, but maybe he'll fit in nicely here. Lopetegui, I'm so interested to see how he's going to do. I've obviously seen him from a, the Spanish point of view as well. How he'll do in the Premier League, I'm, I'm really interested. Uh, Crystal Palace battling with Wolves to sign Aaron Wambasaka. Got a good assist, actually, uh, Wambasaka for Manchester United in midweek hours after I said on White and Jordan that he was rubbish going forward. Uh, Leicester Newcastle, that is a dress rehearsal for what is a Carabao Cup quarter final. Newcastle heavily linked with James Madison. Interesting to see if they follow up that interest in January. A reminder all 10 games across the Boxing Day period and beyond live and exclusive to national radio only on the Talk Sport Network. Uh, all that remains from myself, Darren Lewis and Scott Minto is to wish everybody a very happy Christmas. Uh, thanks for listening and downloading the podcast. Do keep spreading the word. Uh, we'll be back next Thursday, December the 29th to look ahead to another thrilling round of Premier League matches. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. The latest odds, we set them. Form guides, we've got them. Expert opinions, we share them. The best fans in the world deserve the best. Be match day ready before the whistle blows with Ladbrokes. 
Odds update on Talk Sport with Labrooks. Are you in? Let's go. Play at labrooks.com, 18 plus, be gambleaware.org. T's and C's apply. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.